Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here to discuss the recent film, Girl Rising. That isn't just a movie, but a movement and catalyst for change. It addresses girls' education and the struggles across the world in access and equity, beautifully woven together with both quantitative and qualitative findings and incredibly touching narratives. It comes out this week, and we had a chance to grab 10 minutes with the director, Richard Robbins, over the phone in the midst of a very, very busy week promoting his new documentary. Okay, so Richard, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you came about to be the filmmaker and the documentarian of this film. Have you always been interested in in girls' uh, education across the world, or is this a new subject for you? You know, I had done a, when I worked at ABC News, uh, one of the first pieces I ever produced um, involved climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with a group of uh, Tanzanian high school girls. It's sort of a long, convoluted story, but uh, but, um, that was sort of my first exposure to the issue of of girls' education. And then that was really, that was back in the 90s. And then um, about five years ago, I was doing some research um, we were hired, my company, to do some research about um, ending global poverty and trying to make a documentary about means to ending global poverty. And I just had this remarkable set of experiences where sort of one person after another who I met with across a really wide variety of fields, agriculture, HIV, um, you know, good governance, um, all talked to me about what a powerful intervention educating girls was. Um, and that was really new information to me, and I just dove in, and uh, and then, you know, uh, over the course of about six months of research, I just became a total zealot. Um, it, it probably wasn't a coincidence that I had just become a father, had a baby girl, and um, was thinking a lot about uh, her future and my future and the future of the planet, and um, so I just, I just got hooked. And, you know, the combination of really clear, powerful, empirical evidence about an important subject that nobody in the general public seemed to be very aware of was just an opportunity that I couldn't walk away from. You know, as a filmmaker, that's the kind of thing that you just, uh, you know, once you, once you recognize that situation, you, you sort of have to go forward. Richard, just for our listeners who haven't maybe seen the trailer or are interested in the movie, why, do you mind sharing some of that empirical evidence and just giving us a, a quick snapshot on the state of girls' education uh, across the world, especially in developing countries? You know, um, one of the great things about the subject of girls' education is that I think it's pretty easy for most people to get their head around. It is not enormously complicated, and when you start explaining it, you know, I, I tend to see a lot of quickly nodding heads of, you know, just of course that makes sense, but, you know, girls who go to school and get a good education um, stay healthier, much less likely to contract HIV, uh, they get married later, they have smaller families, their children are healthier, they're, they're twice as likely to educate their own children as girls who don't go to school. Um, and so it has these remarkable, and then on into adulthood, they earn more money, they are more likely to build businesses than men, uh, they're more likely to, to be, you know, engaged in sort of community affairs. So, so this simple intervention of getting a girl into school with a, with a good teacher and getting her to stay there, 
um, has these massive uh, impacts, not just for the girl herself, which of course is fantastic, um, but for her family, her community, her nation, uh, you know, and we look at really broad numbers, like a, a 10% increase in uh, girls' enrollment in school leads to a 3% uh, increase in GDP um, for a country. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty startling statistic. Um, and, you know, we have made enormous strides, particularly in the level of, of primary education for girls, but there are still, um, you know, upwards of 60 million girls in the world who should be in school who are not. Uh, either they don't live close enough to a school or they can't afford to go or their parents refuse to enroll them. There are a wide variety of reasons, uh, most of which originate just from the basic poverty uh, equation that they are all born into. Um, school isn't free. Their parents can't afford it. If their parents can't afford it, they tend to choose to educate the boys before the girls. And so girls uh, really do lag behind. I think the flow of the of the documentary is very interesting. Where instead of covering the topic in a sort of broad way, you you break it down into nine separate stories. These vignettes. Tell us about where you traveled and what surprised you most about what you saw. Well, when we set out to make the film, um, you know, the thing that I was really struggling with is a is an experience that I think is familiar to lots of people who travel in the developing world which is that the, the issues and the circumstances and the environments can seem incredibly bleak and often overwhelming and daunting and make you want to run home and hide under the covers. But the people you meet, and in, in my case, the girls that we met, were inspiring and energizing and just, you know, totally life-affirming. You know, you came out of these interactions with the girls themselves um, feeling like, yes, we can change the world. Um, and so I didn't want to make a traditional issue film that made people feel like um, they were going to get a lecture. You know, what I wanted to do was really introduce people to these amazing girls. Um, and we, we worked in nine countries, um, Ethiopia, Cambodia, Nepal, Egypt, um, Haiti, Peru, India, Sierra Leone and Afghanistan. I think I got them all. Um, and I would say the thing that just surprised me over and over again was how resilient these girls are. You know, girls who you would expect to find um, somehow, I guess I expected to find somehow sort of damaged goods from growing up in incredibly difficult circumstances and not having been enrolled in school as early as we, we probably expect them to be or having had to leave school or lived through, you know, sexual abuse or uh, indentured servitude, uh, you know, natural disaster in the case of Haiti, um, they weren't damaged at all. They were strong and energetic and determined um, to, you know, improve their lives and to improve the lives of their, their family and their community. And the message is such a global message and such a strong message. There's an, uh, an interesting celebrity splash on the film, too. Talk about who you got to narrate them and whether that was a hard sell to talk to these famous Hollywood celebrities to ask them to help participate in this film. Um, yeah, we have a, an incredible voice cast, um, you know, starting, not starting the film, but the first person who signed on was Meryl Streep. 
Uh, and then, you know, she was joined by Anne Hathaway and Alicia Keys, Carrie uh, Washington, uh, Selma Hayek. Um, I'm going to forget somebody. So, um, but, you know, the, the, um, there are obviously two kind of key things we think about there. One is just that the voice performances themselves are really important. You know, you really need, um, I, you know, I've made films before where we tried to have, um, you know, regular people do voice work telling their, telling their own story. And, um, and it's not always so successful. You know, there really is a, a skill, a talent to using your voice to communicate complicated ideas and complex emotions. Um, so we really wanted, you know, a, a very high quality of, of performers. And then obviously they, they um, bring an enormous audience. They help us spread the word. Um, we were very conscious, uh, for example, of looking for an international group of actresses and a group of actresses that, that really range across age spectrum. So we have, you know, Chloe Moretz and Selena Gomez holding down the sort of the youth constituency and, you know, Kate Blanchett and Meryl Streep speaking to a more mature audience. Um, so, you know, they've just been fabulous. And, and, you know, everybody says, asks the question of sort of how did you get them, um, to which I can only answer, you know, a lot of persistence. <laughs> A lot of persistence and and resilience, it sounds like. Now, Richard, tell me, the movie's coming out first week of March. Where can people see it? How can people see it? I know there's going to be a showing and a viewing at the Harvard Ed School at some point. Um, what, is the, what is the best way to consume this film? And then once you've seen it, what are you supposed to do afterwards? Well, we are, we are uh, pushing forward with a fairly uh, new strategy for, this, for distributing this film. Um, and partly that has to do with um, the broad constituency that we think we already have in support of this issue, and, and partly it's just about our financial reality, which is that we don't want to waste a penny um, that could be going to, to helping these girls. So for us, the idea of a kind of broad-based advertising campaign to let everybody know that this movie is in theaters um, seems wasteful to us. So what we have done instead is partnered with an organization called Gather, um, and Gather does on-demand theatrical distribution. Uh, so essentially what that means is that um, individuals sign up to help organize a screening. Um, they pick a date, they're assigned a theater, um, and then it's essentially incumbent on them to fill the theater um, with as many people as they can. And at a certain number, um, the, the screening is locked in for that time and date. Um, you know, So uh, anybody who can organize you know, 30, 40, 50 people, depending on the size of the theater, um, can screen this film in a real theater with a, you know, full surround sound mix and excellent picture quality. And, uh, you know, I, I shudder to think that some people eventually will watch this on a tiny laptop because um, we put a lot of energy into making it a really uh, engaging theatrical experience. Um, and we already now, I mean, a week, a week from opening the film, we've, we've pre-sold almost 30,000 tickets through this method. And um, that's more than 500 screenings around the country. So almost anywhere that you are, there's probably a screening taking place near you. Uh, and they're pretty easy to find. And if you can't find one, you can always organize one. So uh, our website, which is girlrising.com, has all this information. And it's pretty simple to navigate. We've been incredibly excited and impressed by by the 
response that we've gotten and the way that the, the word has spread. Um, and in terms of what people can do and should do, you know, I think that um, we talk about having three goals. You know, when we started years ago, we, we set them out pretty clearly in terms of what we wanted our impact to be. Um, and that was change minds, change lives, and change policy. Um, and a lot of work went into that simple phrase. But, you know, uh, change minds, you know, really we're just trying to build a constituency around this issue. Um, you know, I, I often say I think the issue of growth education now is sort of where global warming was 30 years ago, which is to say there's a small group of people who understand it clearly and how important it is, um, but there isn't this sort of broad base of support behind it. Um, and that's really where we're, we're headed, you know, is to make the issue of educating girls um, widely understood and widely supported. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what people can do is just spread the word, and that's, you know, the issue of changing minds is incredibly important. Changing lives, um, the truth is, is that that's about money at this point. There are great organizations out there in the world who are working every day to help girls. Uh, we set up a fund called the 10 times 10 Fund for Girls Education, which um, takes donations and distributes them to our key partners, um, the, the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations that we selected to work with, which include uh, Room to Read, Care, Plan, World Vision, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, Partners in Health. Um, anyway, we have uh, seven or eight key partners that we think are doing the best work in this space. And the money that we collect uh, through the fund is distributed to them. But people shouldn't feel like they have to be limited to, uh, to you know, the organizations that we've chosen to work with. I mean, I think, I think one of the messages of the film is this is a space where individuals really can make a difference. Um, the, the great thing and the terrible thing about the situation in terms of girls' education right now is that so little has been done. And obviously that's terrible because so little has been done, but... It also feels like this is sort of the, the low-hanging fruit of, of making the world a better place. You know, we, we know what a good school looks like. We know what a good education looks like. And in the modern world, you no longer have to, you know, send your money off into the abyss and hope that it has an impact. Um, there are amazing organizations. They're incredibly transparent. You can learn a ton uh, online about what they're doing and why. And um, you really can get involved. And then the last of our, our three things that I think is worth talking about is, is change policy. Um, there are key policies, both our government and internationally through the United Nations, that really do have a, uh, an impact on these girls' lives and that um, we can address just through traditional you know, influencing of our own policymakers through elections and advocacy. Um, right now, the United States only allocates uh, two cents out of every dollar that we spend in, in international development on programs um, that target girls. And knowing what we know about how powerful an intervention girls' education is, we just don't think two cents is enough. Um, and that's a policy shift that you know, we think we can help uh, bring about fairly quickly. Well, Richard, I would not be surprised if in five or ten years your sequel to the movie is called Girl Has Risen. Thank you so much for... <laughs> your advocacy work and everything that you're doing and I wish you the best of luck in uh, the film's opening this week. Thank you so much.